today we're talking about transfers and the tech state of Texas has made some changes in the regulations. So you can go to the region 18 framework, of course, and read the changes for yourself in the regulations. This I believe happened in November of 2021. What it basically says is that an IEP for the child who enrolls during the summer, regardless of the location of the prior public school, that's what this the next few things apply to, the child with a disability who has an IEP in place from a previous in or out of state school district and enrolls in the new LEA during the summer is not considered a child who transfers during the school year and the LEA will do one of two things. Either one, it will implement the IEP from the previous school district in full on the first day of class of the new school year or B, convene an, an ARD committee meeting during the summer to revise the I, child's IEP for implementation on the first day of class of the new school year. I don't know about you, but that created quite a few IEP meetings for me that I had to squeeze in between all the trainings and the first day of school, which for me, that was about two days. So uh, that was because I, for some reason, we could not implement the previous district's IEP on the first day of school. For the rest of the kids though, however, it did make it easier to have the transfer because the annual date just stayed the annual date. So if the annual date was in November, last school year, 2021, it would be in November this school year. And I did not have to write up any kind of transfer agreement or transfer anything. So um, just had to upload all the documents for the teachers to see, and they copied the goals into the system so that they could make progress reports and everything was a lot easier. So it just depends if, it, if you can implement what the child had before or not. Now, in the case of a child who has a disability um, in place, the child with a disability who has an IEP in place from a previous school district in or out of state uh, school district who enrolls in the LEA during the summer is not, during, uh, during the summer is not considered a child who transferred during the school year. So anyone who does enroll after the first day is, goes back to the normal timelines. And the thing that was interesting to me about all of this was that I thought I would just have another choice to use the 45-day timeline for the out-of-state students, but it sounds like, for, according to these regulations, you really don't have that option if they enroll before the first before the first day of school. However, if they're already a student in special education and you don't have to have a transfer agreement, you can basically decide when that evalu any evaluations that you're going to do are done. So if I had an evaluation coming up, I would just do a brief to maybe do a read or make a, some small changes in their program or what have you. So it, it really makes you think a little bit more differently about transfers. And that is what I thought I would bring up today. Another thing about transfers is that states differ from state to state. I've talked about that before on this in this group. And some places where you can go to find some differences in the different states uh, are in this link above, out-of-state transfers. It's from the Office of 
special education, and there's a chart where all the states report on how they maybe have different state laws that apply to eligibility. So just take a look at that. It could give you some more specific information about each state. If you go to understood.com, they do have some information about how state laws often, often differ. So you some things to be aware of when you get a child from another state. For example, eligibility is often one area where they differ. In Arizona, they don't have deaf blind, so they do not report on children who have hearing, who have both uh, hearing impairments and VI. In New Mexico, deafness is a disability category, um, has a disability category. In Georgia, West Virginia, and Wisconsin, they do not have multiple disabilities as a category. Iowa, I've mentioned that before on here too. Iowa is just way out there. They have they are completely non-categorical, so they do not collect information on any of the category areas. That means they don't say, oh, well, this child has a specific learning disability or this one. They just say special ed or not. And then, of course, there are all types of de developmental disability variations. So Texas and California are like in that they do not have the disability of developmental disability. Florida and Arkansas, West Virginia, they stop developmental disability at the sixth birthday. And finally, New York says it only goes to the fifth birthday. So these are all things you can look for. And remember that states have different definitions of each disability area. And one, for example, specific learning disability, the, the state can even allow each district to vary their own eligibility criteria according to the law. So just because even if they're in Texas or just from a different district, a district can require that a certain criteria be met for specific learning disability as long as it's in line with the state regulation. So uh, the definition of FAPE can vary to include several programs as long as they vary, the, as long as they offer a variety of settings on a continuum of inclusion settings. So uh, sometimes you could get a student from a very particular school that was teaching a very particular program that might not look even a lot like our general education programs or even our modified or alternate settings. So just take a look at those settings, investigate, go to their websites, and you can check out and see, can you actually implement what they were doing before? The procedural safeguards can vary in a number of states, especially for the child find evaluation timeline. The recommended federal guidance is 60 calendar days. You know, of course, Texas has the 45 school days and other states have even different timelines. For example, Washington state gives only 35 school days. I know there were was a few years ago uh, more than a few years ago that they were actually looking at making our timeline be something like t 20 days, something ridiculously short, and everybody balked and, and complained. Of course, at least the diagnosticians did. So another way they could differ, the different states, is they can, early intervention can vary. The definition of developmental delay, who pays for things like physical therapy and family training can vary as well. So you might get a child from, especially an early childhood child that's getting some kind of service in a certain state through maybe even private therapy that's paid for by the state, whereas your state doesn't or your district doesn't do that. So uh, just 
look a little bit more carefully, interview the parent to see what they were receiving and how you can best match it. The date you age out of special education can vary as well. There are all kinds of different definitions of 21. You would think 21 is 21, but some people say it's on your 21st birthday, and some people say it's the end of the school year that you turn 21, like in Texas. So just pay attention to that because you might get, if you're in high school especially, that could be interesting. You could get a child who may be uh, qualified in one state, not the other. And transition. Transition, can, the age can vary depending on the state. For example, Massachusetts says that services must be in place by age 14, but in Texas, the assessment has to be done by age 14. And of course, we do the services by 16. Another good place to look is Rights Law, rightslaw.com. The rightslaw.com says that to get federal funding, states must report uh, and inform local education agencies in writing of state-imposed rules, regulations, and policies. As an example, the state of Texas reports 30 state-imposed rules. These include instructional arrangements and settings, referral for the full individual evaluation, the timeline for all notices, the age, rate, age ranges for student eligibility, procedures for surrogate and foster parents, procedures for use of restraint and time out, content of individual, the content of the individual education program, transfer of assistive technology devices, and interventions and sanctions, allowable expenditures of state special education funds. So there's several things that Texas reports ab about what they do to the federal government. States also sometimes add laws for restraints, how to handle a disagreement, dual enrollment for private or homeschool for ages three to four, special considerations for autism and dyslexia. You know, we have that autism su supplement for things for dyslexia in Texas. There are certain things that we have to follow. Due process place the uh, in, in Texas, due process places the burden of proof on the schools, no matter who files for the due process. And also how to determine ESY could be different and from one state to another. Then of course, there are things like teacher certifications, teacher-student ratios in classrooms, and how to handle students with disabilities in charter schools. And as well as that, there's also different rules about who can test a child. So you, those are all things to consider. Additionally, the Government Office of Accountability has done studies on child find and has found out that special education populations vary because of the varied state criteria. So they are very concerned about that and the federal government looking at the different state criteria and how that can make our population numbers of special education vary from state to state. A number of challenges related to correctly identifying and evaluating children suspected of having a disability can affect eligibility decisions. For example, school districts in all four states visited cited uh, four states visited cited challenges in properly identifying and evaluating the English learner students as the districts did not always have the staff who were able to conversate in the child's first language 
and skilled in distinguishing language proficiency from disabilities. So that is another concern. I think in Texas, another concern is what we do with children who have dyslexia in another state versus here, because we have different things that we have to think about with children with dyslexia here, because we have a dyslexia law here. Some places don't. So for example, you might get a child from a state that doesn't have a dyslexia law, and maybe they were serving a child under special education, but not saying that, and maybe doing a dyslexia program, but not actually saying that the child had dys dyslexia. So you might have to do a little extra evaluation to determine if the child also has dyslexia. That's all the notes I had for today about transfers and differences between different states and the new regulations. So uh, anybody have any anything else they want to add or you want to check out the uh, link at the top and find some interesting differences between different states. I just find it so intriguing because I feel like in, in Texas, when you're doing your job, things, uh, that's just your whole world. And you don't think that it could be any different, but it's like, wow, it really can be completely different. People can totally interpret the federal law in so many different ways. We got a chat here. Uh, Lori says we didn't mention I didn't realize until a few years ago that many states serve dyslexia via the SLP. I have a friend who is a PhD in a speech pathologist in California, and she keeps calling me and saying that the school psychologist is including her on the evaluation request for every child who is struggling with, for, with reading to do a help with a dyslexia evaluation. And she's saying, I just don't know what to do. But that's true. If you go to the ASHA website, you will see that dyslexia is considered a language-based learning disability. And there is guidance for speech therapists to assist with evaluation and, and serving and uh, services for children with dyslexia. I actually received a some a student just recently from a school in Mississippi. The whole school is special education and it's all taught by speech therapists and they're doing dyslexia type of instruction, but it's a self-contained classroom in a self-contained school. Everybody in the school is special education. So yeah, I think it was pretty hard for me to match that. And we had to be real creative with what we were gonna do to help that child to fit, to give them the services that were most appropriate for him. So that's just an example where speech therapists were, were teaching the classes, teaching dyslexia classes. And Lori also says that many states don't have dyslexia therapists or teachers. That is one thing that does make our state unique is not only that we actually identify dyslexia, but we actually have what is called a CALT certification from the ALTA, um, the ALTA organization. So ALTA it provides the training and certifies people with, uh, for dyslexia certification to, to be, to be able to provide services to those. And not every, not every district in Texas, uses CALT certified therapists, but 
most of the big districts do have that standard because they are able to attract the with the bigger populations and more access to funds, they are able to attract the Calc certified therapists. So that is also uh, could be a very big difference. Thank you very much, Lori, for helping me out there with some differences there. I see Christine is new to Clubhouse. Welcome, Christine. Uh, anybody else? I hope y'all are finding this app a little easy to navigate. I do have the replays on, so if anybody, if you want to send it to a friend to listen to, they can they can join and listen to it later on the replays. Any other comments about transfers? All right. Well, just in case anyone is shy, I'm going to just um, send you all all invites so you don't have to. And then you can respond if you had anything to say. Um, you can join and make your comments. And if not, it's okay. We'll close the room. I just feel like this is such a one of those topics that um, that is can just blow your mind how people do things so differently. For many of you, it might be your uh, end of your first week of school. Maybe you're starting school next week. I hope you get through this week and got and you got any of your before school starts uh, transfers done <laughs> because I had to rush really to get the ones that I needed to get done, but we got them done. So good luck with those. All right, any more comments? Lori says she used to see developmental delay eligibility a lot. Um, yeah, I know I came from Maryland and they have de developmental disability until age eight. And I actually used to help in a school, I used to volunteer in a school where the whole school was a developmental, the kids in there were had either developmental delays. So they actually had a second grade classroom that had a smaller, it was a smaller classroom. But it was like kids with learning disabilities there and it was just like self-contained schools. So just like I said, you just have to have an open mind, do your research, figure out what, maybe give that school a call, have them explain, call the teacher and, and you know, do your, do your research. So, all right, well, happy Friday, everyone. Good luck on all your transfers. <laughs> I put my emoji like, welcome transfers like we're i feel like really my school sometimes has a neon light on it like bring your kids here <laughs> but yeah transfers can be really tough to navigate all right thanks a lot for joining everyone next friday i have a really special speaker i do hope you all join in and listen she is like the pioneer of assistive technology assessments. She, she is the go-to, the main, one of the main people that has the only real evaluation for assistive technology that's published, the WADI that I could find. So yeah, t please join and spread the word that everything assistive technology we are going to talk about next week. That is really exciting to me because I really feel like assistive technology is such on the edge of the future of special education and taking down those barriers for, for our kids and helping move inclusion along. So please join me next week. All right, talk to you later. 